0: Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector. I'm your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works: it's really simple. Each episode a different guest comes on, asks me three questions. We have about a 10 minute conversation about each of them and that's it. No fluff, lots of actionable tips and strategies that hopefully help them and you. Today is an interesting one because I had a guest scheduled who had to reschedule literally two hours ago went on Twitter and said, hey, who wants to come on and ask me three questions in in the next two hours? And my guest volunteered and had some awesome questions, so I'm really excited to talk with him. My guest today is Josh Taylor. Josh is a podcast host who shares true stories from the Old West era through his history podcast, The Wild West Extravaganza. He also has a companion newsletter that focuses on the same topics. And despite being a forklift operator in real life, Josh is actively seeking a way to transition into a new career path. Hopefully through his passion for history and storytelling. You can check out all his stuff at wildwestextra.com. You'll also find links there to his newsletter and his YouTube channel. With that in mind, hey, Josh, welcome to the show and thanks for coming up with actually some great questions here on short notice.
1: What's going on? Thanks for having me on.
0: I'm really excited to talk to you and was excited when I saw your questions because it's something that I haven't really addressed on this show, and I think a lot of people are interested in and struggle with. And we're going to talk about monetizing your audience in your podcast. You've got a pretty large audience already, and we're going to talk about some ways to do that aside from just sponsorships. So I guess before we dive into your first question, just tell people a little bit. In the intro, I didn't mention just how big your audience is. So let people know sort of how many people are connected to you at this point.
1: Sure. So I get around 40,000 downloads Month right now, another seventy-five to one hundred thousand views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think last time I checked, I have about three hundred fifty newsletter subscribers. So I mean, I I think I'm doing okay numbers-wise, but it's not really yeah. at that point to where the me undies isn't knocking on my door. Betterhealth.com isn't right. calling me and. Telling me, hey, here's some money. Yeah,
0: I'm sure, like I said, lots of people, myself included, can relate to that. So let's, let's jump
1: into it. Tell me what is the first thing you want to know? Okay. So my first question is basically, how do I monetize my podcast when I don't have anything to sell? I I don't have a how-to podcast. I'm just telling stories. If I. Mm -hmm a podcast on how to grow apples. I would make a, a fertilizing schedule, put it out there in a PDF and try to sell it. But with the stuff I'm talking about, it's it's history. It's readily available. I'm just presenting it in hopefully a unique way. How do I monetize that?
0: Cool. And I think we're going to talk about podcasts, but I think this is really relevant to anyone that's creating, whether it's written content or videos or whatever it is, where, like you said, at, at its core, you're the quote unquote value you're providing people where I always say "Oh, help people with a transformation, that's not what you're doing. You're entertaining them, you're giving them interesting interesting stuff. So when the value you create or the audience you built is not looking for a specific transformation, it is much more obscure and unclear how to monetize. We'll start there and, and I wanna start on a sort of high level concept that when it comes to monetization and you have an audience, you've attracted an audience, There's really only two ways that you can monetize. You're either going to sell something to your audience, which typically is some sort of products, consulting, something along those lines, or you're going to sell your audience to others, which is typically a sponsorship advertising model. Either one can work. And I think what I'm going to do for you here is I'm going to give you sort of three ways that you could sell to your audience and three ways you could sell your audience to others beyond just the typical sponsorship, like you said, beyond the sort of MeUndies calling you up and knocking on yeah. your door. These are by no means the only ways that you can monetize, but I think it's a good sort of starting point to give you some things to think about. So let's start with the ways that you could sell directly to your audience, right? So the first is you can package your stories in other ways outside of the podcast. So this could be, this could be books. It could be games. It could be comic books. It could be greeting cards. It could be anything. So thinking about ways that you can take these stories. And in your case, you're doing historical stuff. So you're not even creating these stories. You're telling stories of other people and things that actually happened, but thinking about ways that. How can you repackage these into products that people might want to buy so a very basic example of this is tim ferris put out that book tools of i think it's called tools of titans or tools yeah. of the titans something like that and all he really did was take the stories that people this quote unquote stories and things people had told him in his podcast and repackaged it into a book so could you take some of these stories that you're sharing, repackage them into a book, into a something that you could sell, which would be, would give yeah. you another way to monetize them. That. So that's sort of repackaging stories. The second way that you can sell directly to your audience is to present your stories in different ways than you're currently presenting them on the podcast. So this could be live events it could be bonus episodes or extended footage that maybe you sell either as one-offs or as part of a paid subscription so you have your episode and then maybe each episode has a sort of extended bonus piece that's only available to subscribers in your space in that history space dan carlin i think his name is with the hardcore history podcast that's one of the ways that he monetizes his archives are paid and you can buy individual episodes i think for Mm. a couple bucks and i'm not exactly sure how he does it but i think what he does is i think the 50 most recent episodes are free and everything beyond that is paid only So he's getting the benefits of both worlds. Like I would not suggest you just make the whole podcast paid, but I do think as you build in archives, you can put some of it behind a paywall potentially and monetize that way. So the first was repackaging. The second was presenting stories in different ways. The third is creating ancillary products that you can sell directly to your audience. So that could be show merchandise. It could be merchandise inspired by some of the stories you tell, it could be calendars. It could be these lines blur a little bit, right? Is a book merchandise? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not, whatever. But I think one of the things that is thinking about what are products you could create that your audience would want to buy. I think as you think about that, it's also helpful to think about, they don't have to be just on the the people that you're profiling in your show. Could it be stuff like fun taglines that you create? Can you create things that represent the identity of your audience, doesn't have to just be the show. So it doesn't have to be the Wild West extravaganza t-shirt. What might be better is to come up with some sort of tagline that isn't the show. I'm saying tagline, but it could be some sort of concept, what would people I'm talking about t-shirts right now, but it could be anything, but let's use t-shirts as an example. The kind of person that loves your show, what might they want to express on a t-shirt, on a hat, on a whatever? And the chances are when you come up with that expression, that something that's fun and interesting is probably gonna sell better than just slapping your logo on a t-shirt, which is what a lot of people do with merchandise, and I actually think it's a big mistake. So I'm gonna give terrible examples because I haven't really thought about this, right? But a shirt that says gunslinger, modern-day gunslinger, might sell better than Wild West extravaganza. A shirt that says, you know, why these are terrible examples, but like Wild West at heart. But you get where I'm going, right? What's yes, the sir. thing that people would be like, oh, that would be a cool shirt? You know, if you think about it, if you look at T-shirts that really go crazy, they're rarely the sort of brand or the logo. They're expressing some sort of thing that those people want to express. And also it can be become also almost an inside language of things and ways you talk about on the show. If there's things that you say, that also helps you because you're dealing with real people. You don't have to worry about rights issues. You don't have to worry about, you know, I don't know that you can sell a Jesse James shirt. That's a whole other thing. But you can come up with your own sort of creative stuff. So that's where I would look on a merge standpoint. The other thing I would say about that, that I would recommend, there is a fantastic book called This Is Not a T-Shirt. And it's by this guy, Bobby Hundreds, who I don't know if you've ever heard of the hundreds, but it's like a sort of streetwear brand. It's his autobiography, but it's also about the building of brands and this kind of stuff and this is a guy who the hundreds has become a huge streetwear brand that's done a million different things and cross promotions and whatever and he talks a lot about especially with a sort of clothing and merchandise angle why people buy what they buy and what they want to express. And I think along these lines, as you start, if you start to think about what would be merchandise I could come up with, I think it'd be, first of all, it's a great story of just an entrepreneur sort of building a business out of nowhere, but also specifically understanding how to build a brand that people are going to want to wear and feels like they represent. That it represents something bigger than just whatever the logo happens to be so that's how I would approach selling directly to your audience I give you also now a couple few ways to sell your audience to others so the most obvious is sponsorships and advertising I know you've already seen it but for anyone listening I did a whole episode recently with Justin Moore who's a sponsorship expert and talks all about how to attract sponsors I highly recommend people check that out but other ways that you could sell your audience to others so one one is, maybe you can find a network that your show becomes a part of and let them handle it. Go yeah. find some network of history podcasts and go, hey, I've got this show, I've got this big audience. It's currently being under monetized. Let's partner up. Because those networks are always looking for new things. They they may have the pieces of the puzzle that you don't have and can also help you grow the show and monetize it. So. The idea of, okay, let me look for a network as opposed to looking for a sponsor is something that you might want to consider. Another thing is you could create your own network. My Favorite Murder podcast, which again is sort of history related, similar space. Obviously it's massive. I think it's like the one of the top five podcasts in the, in the world, but they, you don't have to necessarily be that big. They created their own network. You have a big enough audience that you could potentially either find other existing shows that you think there's some nice overlap who are maybe in a similar situation to you and say hey let's team up right now we have more to sell to a potential sponsor we have more to to cross promote we have more to sell merchandise to you know whether it's whatever you do but that's another way to build right is to either help launch shows that are beneath you or partner with shows on an equal level and sort of create something Larger. The other thing you could do is affiliate deals, really simple. And I know you have an, I saw on your website, you have an Amazon store where you recommend some books and stuff. Certainly with what you're doing, that's a no brainer. Books, products, events, I think is interesting, not only to, to throw your own, but there are events that are out there that are probably Wild West themed, history themed, whatever it is, conferences, conventions, any of that stuff, they're looking to sell tickets. So there's the traditional sponsorship of oh, they'll pay to advertise, But there also might be a, hey, if I get people to buy tickets to your conference, do it, can I get a cut of that? If I get people to buy your product, your whatever, can I get a cut of that? And obviously Amazon makes this really easy because you can just drive people to Amazon products and be an affiliate, but you can also do it in Beyond Amazon. And then the last idea I had for you, which is a little out of the box, but I think with what you're doing could potentially be really effective. And that is some sort of travel experience. Could you partner with someone that's doing Wild West tours or a hotel or some sort of Wild West thing? You have a large audience of people that are really interested in this. And could you create either just do an affiliate deal where it's, look, anyone that I send to you to book travel with this, your Wild West tour package, hotel, whatever it is, I get a cut of it. Or do you create a custom experience For your audience to go and you go with them, right? And you say, look, we're going to do the Wild West extravaganza is going to, once a year, once every six months, we're going to do, I don't know what you call it, but this retreat, this getaway, this tour, this something. And if you get. 10 people to go and each of them bring a spouse or whatever you've got 20 people that are willing to pay x amount to go do this thing and now you're talking to hotels you're talking to whatever it is and saying look i get 20 people to buy this thing or you go to someone that does packages like i think with what you're doing i think there could be some really interesting unique once or twice a year events. And my guess is there's a decent portion of your audience that would think that's really cool. And especially if you're going with them, it could be a really interesting way to monetize, especially with what you're doing. It seems like a really good fit to be able to go to some of these locations. And then you can build on top of that, right? Maybe you record an episode there. Maybe you, you invite experts or people that, you know, if you're going to some historical site, I just think there's a lot of things that that could potentially open up. And the other thing I would add to that is what's nice about it is you could tell your audience you're thinking about putting together some kind of package and gauge interest before having to do anything. People might reply and say, I would love to do something like this and go with other people who are fans of the show and go with you. And it would be really cool. You'll be able to see, okay, wow, I have people that are into this and let me figure out what, how this would work. So hopefully all those things give you some ideas maybe of how to monetize that you haven't considered. Any questions about any of them?
1: No, I really like the travel idea. I yeah. have been ever since I listened to that episode that you mentioned about, mm-hmm. you know, contacting people. I have reached out to a few brands and a lot of them have been more of your destination brands. Yep. So, you know, like certain cities that are really big Wild West centric, but I didn't think about the affiliate idea about, you know, getting trips. And I really like that idea. That's good.
0: Yeah. I mean, even if you had a list of of your sort of recommended or approved destinations and just set up affiliate deals with 10 different places and even just as Mm -hmm. a background thing, you'd be like, look, I have this page for my audience. If you ever want to go do have a Wild West experience. These are Wild West extravaganza approved.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know,
0: bit by bit, people will book stuff and you'll it just creates these additional revenue streams. Yep. Cool. So let's get to your second question. What's the
1: next thing you want to know? Okay. So I mean, my podcast is monetized with a with a little bit of advertisement. The most of the money I have coming in is coming from YouTube ads. Mm-hmm. I put no effort into YouTube really. I put a mm-hmm. static image up there, I upload my MP3 and that's it. Yeah. Considering that it currently is my number one income generator, mm-hmm. should I lean more into that? I was even thinking if there's a if there's some sort of software that I can just toss in a couple of dozen images, mm-hmm. it auto-generates a slideshow. I don't want to be I got the face for podcasting. I don't wanna I don't wanna be on YouTube. I don't wanna right. wanna be some sort of celebrity or anything like that. But is there anything that doesn't take a ton of time mm-hmm. that I can do other than a static image?
0: Yeah, so let me ask you first, how do the YouTube views compare to the downloads of an episode? Like how many people are, like percentage-wise, like what percentage Mm -hmm. of people do you think are consuming in a podcast player versus on YouTube?
1: If I upload an episode today for my podcast, a week from now I'll have anywhere between four to 5,000 downloads. Mm -hmm. On YouTube, it can be anywhere from 3,000 to 30,000. Wow, I mean, so it's pretty it's
0: significant. A, yeah, so it's a
1: fluctuation.
0: And are you getting search traffic and stuff from YouTube? I assume. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I get a okay. lot of traffic from a, a lot of my views on YouTube are people that don't subscribe. Just yeah. And they're returning viewers for whatever reason they don't subscribe. They just keep mm-hmm. coming back.
0: So a couple things. So one is I would say clearly YouTube's already a big part. of, In your mind, you're creating a podcast and throwing right. it up on YouTube. Yeah. But the reality of it is you're already almost as much of a YouTube show as you are a podcast. So I think just from a mindset standpoint, sort of wrapping your head around, I'm not even trying, like to your point, like I'm not even trying on YouTube. I'm putting no effort into this. And it's already almost as successful as the audio version itself, right? Mm -hmm. So whether or not you decide to sort of embrace it more seriously The reality is it is already serious. My short answer is I definitely think it's worth taking YouTube more seriously. But that doesn't mean you have to do it in a way that you become a celebrity. You can take YouTube seriously without you personally being a quote unquote YouTuber. And I'm going to give you some suggestions about how to do that. But before I do that, the first thing I would say, since you're getting so much traction on YouTube and getting discovered because you're getting search and all that, I would definitely think about, and I haven't really looked at the specifics of your channel, but think about ways to convert those people. Make sure, not just to convert them to an audio, but that they're getting your newsletter, that you're getting some connection with them outside of YouTube. So the first thing I would do is I would just take a look at your channel and think about, even if you didn't change how you approach the videos at all, what can you do to optimize, to convert them into subscribers, email subscribers, it doesn't really matter if they watch on on YouTube or listen in the audio, but ultimately as you go down these monetization routes, if you're selling a product, if you're like thinking about how can you get the most out of the attention that you're getting on YouTube. And even, I don't know, my guess is that you're not really... I don't know if you're really titling for search or anything like that on YouTube, but just the little things that you could think about of like, you know what, maybe if I title in this way or just some very basic, how do I optimize for YouTube? There's another episode I did with Roberto Blake, who's a YouTube expert. We'll put a link in the show notes. I r- highly recommend checking that out. And he talks about sort of how to think about thumbnails and all that all that kind of stuff. That said, I do think that there are some things you could do if you wanted to put a little more effort into the videos, again, without you being sort of the star. So I'll give you a few different ideas of sort of how to capitalize on YouTube without yourself actually being the YouTuber, quote unquote. So one is I think, and I don't know if you're doing this already, but are you just posting full episodes or are you doing excerpts
1: as well? Full full episodes.
0: Okay. I would definitely think about doing excerpts as well. It's a very easy way to get additional videos out there. And some people are going to see a 40-minute video. I don't know. If there's a great three-minute, five-minute story, pull it out. It also is going to allow you to title those excerpts very specifically, whereas a broad story might be... uh, gonna use Jesse James again but it might be like the story of Jesse James is one thing a YouTube video about the first guy Jesse James ever shot is another and you start to think about in search what people are gonna click whatever so that's a very easy way again if you do nothing else I would with each episode like when I record these episodes I'm gonna put our full episode up and I'm gonna put probably two to four individual clips about specifics so that's something easy to do animated videos And I mean, there's all different kinds of animation, but once you also start thinking in terms of excerpts in addition to full episodes, it becomes much more manageable. Hiring someone to animate and 40-minute video, that's gonna get expensive. That's a whole thing, right? But an awesome one-minute clip, an awesome two-minute clip, and finding someone that can animate it, maybe that can make sense. And also you're generating revenue from the YouTube channel, so there may be revenue there. You're probably gonna have to pay something Or partner with someone and go, hey, I'll split whatever we make off these animated videos. There's ways to figure it out. It may require some investment. But once you have excerpts, that's much easier to create videos. And you don't have to do anything other than hire the person to do it and be like, look, here's the clip. Take this one minute of audio, make a cool animated video. I'm going to say reenactment videos, but it doesn't have to be like full-on reenactment, but the same concept. Do you find... Actors, filmmakers, people who are looking to do stuff and you have the advantage of an audience both on YouTube and your own to push this stuff to. So there's lots of people out there that they need a clip. There's a young filmmaker out there who's like, I need stuff to show. And you go, hey, could you take, if I gave you a series of one minute clips from these stories, could you go shoot a bunch of them? So animated one is one way, some sort of reenactment, reusing your audio. So they don't have to worry about sound or any of that stuff. You can get creative with it. This is, I guess, another version of animated, but an artist, maybe it's someone who draws, like if you've ever seen, they'll do those like whiteboard videos where, so maybe it's that, right? They're just sort of sketching what you're talking about. There's a million ways to create sort of moving visuals that you could do in short chunks of your stuff. The other one is just slideshow videos, right? Very simply, can you pull a bunch of, just to give some movement a step beyond the sort of static image. And again, if you're doing a slideshow video for 40 minutes, that's a huge effort. If you're doing it for a two minute video, that's doable. There's a huge channel called Alt Shift X and we'll link it in the show notes as well. And they did a ton of, they do them for multiple shows, but the ones they were most known for were these Game of Thrones explainer videos. And the person's talking, you never see the person talking. They're just sort of showing slides. Like they're very like kind of low budget, not fancy or whatever, but just having those images and the movement makes it feel totally different than a sort of static image. But again, the big key here is once you break from only full episodes, the shorter videos allow you to do stuff without a ton of of time and effort. And the other way to do it is if you did want to, like kind of what I'm doing here is just record yourself doing the episode. Even people watching you talking, even if you don't want to be a YouTube star, and I totally get it, neither do I. But even that would be, with no polish, with no anything, probably better than Just a static slide image, not the end of the world, but you know, better. And then the other thing I would say is it's possible that you have some stuff, think about creating some stuff for YouTube that isn't just the repurposed podcast, right? So maybe it's an interview. Like it's really, your YouTube channel could have be really easy for you on zoom to just get someone else who's an expert or something. You you contact someone from the, I'm gonna use Jesse James again. I don't know that this is a thing, but you contact someone from the Jesse James Museum and say, hey, you wanna hop on Zoom and have a 15-minute conversation about Jesse James? All you gotta do is hit record and that's a video. You might chop it up and just like this is gonna be chopped up. There's a reason I I frame this as three different questions because yeah. it's very modular and easy to do. So if you decided you wanted to do more sort of original YouTube stuff, Interviews is a really easy way to do it without you feeling like you don't have to be the YouTuber who's screaming in a million cuts and whatever. Go on Zoom and press record. But in general, I do think even if you do it in a minimal way, paying attention to YouTube, it's huge audience growth and monetization opportunities. It's one of the few platforms where people really can discover you and also your content, again, an advantage of what you're doing is timeless. So what you're doing is every bit as interesting to somebody who discovers it two years from now as someone who discovers it today. So I don't think you need to take the plunge and go become a crazy YouTuber, but I do think there's some little stuff you could probably do. Even one short excerpt animated or slide something video a month might add a lot for you right like you don't need to go crazy and create a million things but you probably know there within your podcast there are stories that you know are like killer stories that people loved and taking that and go i just i'm going to create a video about this moment because when i did that episode everyone was telling me like oh my god i had no idea of that thing that's the other advantage you have is you can build around stuff that you know is hits from your archives as opposed to like Trying to figure out in advance, will people care about this? Cool. So I look forward to you conquering YouTube. Let's let's get to your third question. What's the next thing you want to know?
1: All right. So I have learned a lot making a podcast. I get questions every now and then. It's, it's rare, but I do get questions on, hey, what sort of microphone should I buy? How do I start my podcast? Mm-hmm. I have, I'm kind of... In the background, been creating a course. I haven't, I've got it all fleshed out. I've got it. I've done everything but record it, basically. Mm -hmm. It's just specifically teaching solo storytellers how to create and launch a podcast. Not how to get monetized, nothing like that. Just how to launch their own podcast from equipment to coming up with the idea to recording to editing, everything from the idea to publish. My audience for my podcast more than likely is not very interested in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it even worth me recording this? Maybe 1% of my audience might be interested in it. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Is this something I should not even bother bringing up to them? If I do end up going live with it, just toss it on Udemy or whatever?
0: Well, first of all, if you do it, you should definitely bring it up to them. Because you've got an audience. So even if only a handful of them want it, that's still... That's still sales. That's still people who, who want it. The first thing I would say to you is I'm going to separate the, the sort of, is it worth the time question? So I would look at it like this. I'm going to separate the sort of marketing and promotion and sell it from it, from the creation of it. Okay. You Like you said, you've already been jotting down notes. You've already been thinking about it. It doesn't really perfectly align with your existing audience. So the hesitation completely makes sense because you go, oh, if I'm going to make this thing, how am I going to even find people who want to buy it? Is this really worth my time? So the first thing I would say to you is... How long do you think it would actually, from this point where you are now, how long do you think it would actually take you to make it?
1: Eight to 12 hours, maybe. So the
0: nice thing about something like this, this kind of course, whatever, you're not talking about launching a community where every day you're in there helping people. So your, your quote unquote investment is locked. Let's say it takes 12 hours. So your entire risk in doing this, again, I'm not talking about marketing, that's a whole separate thing, but your entire risk in creating this thing is 12 hours. So if it totally bombed and you spent 12 hours making it and nobody bought it and nobody wanted it, you don't really have hard costs, you're out 12 hours of your time, pretty low risk. Yeah. If you make it and anybody buys it, you have it and you're able to sell it forever, it exists. Again, setting marketing and promotion and all that stuff aside, you spent your 12 hours, you had your thing, you made a course, you learned some stuff about how to, how to do it, whatever, and you've got this thing that you can sell forever. So my instinct is because you're even thinking about it, because you're interested in it, because people, you get questions about it all the time, even if it's just a handful here or there, Even though it's not aligned with your audience, for a 12-hour investment, it seems probably worth it to me, if it's something you're interested in. If you were saying to me like, oh, I only want to do it because I think I can make a ton of money on it, that's a different thing. But the investment is low. So I would probably, if I were you, make it. The question then becomes, you invest your 12 hours, you got this thing, now what? The separate question is, how do I get the most out of it once I have it? So obviously, I would definitely promote it to your audience. Your audience is big enough. I am sure there are some people that would want it. And there are also some people who may know other people who would want it. So I would definitely promote it to them. One thing that I think, and it sounds like you probably have thought this through, but one thing I would definitely consider if I were you is, is the course for people who have started a podcast already or who are just thinking about doing
1: it? Just thinking about it. Okay. So
0: from a messaging standpoint, I think you want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm, Once you do the course and whatever you want to talk about, look, this is start your first podcast, et, et cetera. So then you have two options or a couple options about what you're going to do once you have the course made. So one is if you're really interested in this space and you want to invest in attracting an audience that aligns with it, you could create something else designed to do that. A newsletter a YouTube channel, a podcast, a whatever. That, now you're starting to talk about a bigger investment of time and effort to attract that audience. Maybe that's something that interests you, maybe not. So that's a way you could go. I don't think it's necessarily a way you have to go. If you don't want to do that, then the key is what other ways can you get in front of that audience? And I would do a sort of specific promotional campaign tied to that where you're like here are a few things i can do to get in front of other people's audiences who would align with this so that might be how do you get yourself booked on other people's podcasts that are attracting people who want to start podcasts want to tell stories you reach them you have the credibility of the success of your show you also have a large audience that will allow you and you can tell them hey if you book me i'm going to tell my audience about it so you're going to drive people to them everyone wants more of that And if you can identify a bunch of those podcasts, newsletters, blogs, people that can interview you, not talking about, I mean, talking about your show a little, but really talking about this course, that's a way to get in front of those people without having to build your own thing to try to attract them. And I think because of the success you have, it should be relatively easy to get booked on some of those shows. You're not going to get booked on everything, but you could get booked on enough where if you get booked on some show about beginning podcasting and that show has 500 people listen to it and you have a beginning podcast course for solo storytellers, some percentage of them are probably going to buy it. They're going to like what you have to say. But so it doesn't to have to take you a ton of time, but you're just going to have to take some deliberate effort to sort of be like, this is my promotional campaign, right? I want to go right. get on these things. The other thing you could do is... You could potentially, another way to get in front of people is run paid campaigns, buy ads in other podcasts that reach that audience, buy ads in newsletters for beginning podcasters, run Facebook or Instagram ad campaigns, social campaigns, because you have a specific product to sell some of that's math for example you could run ads targeting fans of hardcore history figuring that some of them would want to start their own history podcast. a certain percentage of them are going to click the ad a certain percentage of the people who click the ad are going to convert and if the math works and they're profitable you can just have those ads run infinitely. So trial and error, a little bit of investment, but that's another way to get in front of people. And then the third way that you could get in front of people is partner with someone who already focuses on that niche. So go find someone whose niche is beginning podcasting Mm -hmm. and go, Hey, I got this course. This isn't really my niche. It's sort of a side thing, but I have credibility. You have the audience. What if we offer the course to your audience? and split the profits or do some sort of revenue share thing. You have a paid membership, podcast, academy, whatever. What if we put my course in your membership and you pay me a fee to license it or you we do some sort of revenue share thing, right? That's another way because if, if you think about it, like if you had that niche and someone came to you and said, hey, I got this thing, you got the audience. And that in terms of ease for you, that's incredibly easy because yeah, maybe you're giving up some of some of the profits but you don't really have to do any of the marketing and promotion. And like I said, your investment was the 12 hours you took to make it. So you'd have to find the right person and the right fit and, and it would have to make sense for you. But once you've invested the 12 hours to make the thing, which I do think is worth it, then it's just a matter of how am I gonna find the audience? Am I gonna go do yeah. promotional stuff? Am I gonna build something to attract the audience to me? Probably not, unless you're really passionate about doing that, that's a lot more work. Am I gonna run paid campaigns or am I gonna go partner with someone and say, hey, I got this thing. Why don't you help me sell it and we can both make, make some money? So have I convinced you to to make
1: the course? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. There you go. I mean, the mere fact that you're thinking about it means you want to do it. Because, because it's not aligned with what you're currently doing, it would right. have been very easy for you to go, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But it sounds like you've already been thinking about it. You know what you want to say. People are asking you questions. You do know there's interest. And my guess is you might find more interest among your audience than you think. There might be more curiosity. You might have more buyers there than certainly won't be the majority of your listeners. But there's probably some of them. Do you think I should offer it for free at first? I don't think I would offer it for free. Uh, I would offer excerpts for free. I think one of the best ways to sell a course is to let people see a sample of it. Right. So if you're, I don't know how you're going to structure the course, but let's say there's eight lessons or whatever, offering one or two for free, I like because people watch the one or two excerpts and they're like, wow, this is really good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the rest or even just samples or clips or, or something. I don't think I would make the whole thing free. But again, yeah. the nice thing is once you have it made, you always can if you want. You can do your yep. thing, do your launch and then down the road go, You know what, I'm going to make it free. You can be very loose with how you give it to people. So you go, hey, I just want to really thank you for sharing that thing. Would you be interested in free access to this course I have? Like I'm big on, and this is why I think it's worth you creating it, even if you figure out the rest later. For a 12-hour investment, you get an asset that you can use and do all sorts of different stuff with. And that may evolve over years. Cool. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your questions. And by the way, I did check out your podcast a little bit just before we jumped on and i was like oh my god this seems really cool so i will definitely Thank be you. listening more <laughs> and recommend other people do it as well uh Appreciate. tell people again where they can where they can go to check it out and connect with you and all that other stuff
1: yeah the wild west extravaganza wildwestextra.com it's available everywhere you listen to podcast youtube and that's the best way to contact me is through my website Hit the contact oh. button or Josh at wildwestextra.com. Cool. Right. And
0: for me, again, people check out my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. I'm on Twitter all the time and I occasionally have last minute spots to fill on the show. So you can follow me there at Jay Spector. Also, if you do want to become on the show and ask me three questions, you can go to josh slash questions to apply and submit your questions there. Thank you, Josh. Nice name. Thanks everyone for listening and your interest. I appreciate it. I will see you all next week.